If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Psalm 139, where that comes from. And we're going to read verses 1 through 18. Psalm chapter 139. And it's the Psalm of David. And we're just going to read this. O Lord, you have searched me, and you have known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. And even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's high. I can't attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol or the depths, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall uphold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me or wove me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in in the secret place, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me. When as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I could count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. You are woven together as a person with a purpose. I want to say that again because this has got to sink in for us this morning in the series. You are woven together as a person with a purpose. I'm going to start off this morning probably in an area that maybe some of you know, maybe some of you don't, but I just want to share from my heart a little bit of my my story. I grew up in music, playing music. And to be honest, when I was, you know, 13 or 14, I was playing piano competitions in in the state and and even at that age, as I'm sure you can relate to different things, you're you're searching for purpose. What's my purpose in life? So I searched for purpose in music. And I didn't find it in piano competitions. I got involved in playing piano at a young age in church. And that led me to also be very involved in my high school band. I was in O'Galley High School, class of 02. Um, O'Galley High School band. And, and, and I wanted to be drum major. And I was getting very involved with the band. And I had a great band director. And, and I searched for purpose in that, right? Like maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe that's what I want to do. And I tried to be... You know, drum major, I didn't make it by one. I'll still never forget that, you know. But I was French horn and section leader in all state and all county and all that kind of stuff. And I was searching for purpose in that, but I didn't find it. So I went to USF. said, so, well, maybe I can be like the, the band director that I had. Because he was so great, maybe I can be like him. He, he rubbed off on me in such a great way. And I'm like, maybe I can just model that and be the same mentor for other people that he was for me. So I was at, in the USF over in Tampa and... And I was 
training to be a, a high school music educator until I had my internship. And I had six months of an internship at Kathleen High School. And uh, nope, nope, band director is not for me. And, and getting up every day and, oh, kids, I don't know how he put up, how he put up with us. I said, well, no, that's not my purpose either. So I, so I kept searching. And I got into a very painfully bad, verbally abusive relationship. I let my guard down and did things that I wish I wouldn't have done. I got engaged to that girl, and then one day I walked in on her cheating on me. Hello. There it is. It was tough. And the searching for purpose and another person didn't work either. So I'd search for, for purpose in all these different areas, despite me being saved when I was three, I still remember it. Despite me being baptized when I was eight, I still remember it. Despite all of those things of knowing Jesus, I didn't actually know him. I wasn't living like I did. And I was searching for purpose until I was so broken, I had no other choice in my, in my world to say, you know what, I, I need to go home. I need to move back to Melbourne. I need to find myself again. And before I left Tampa, I sat on my knees and I said, God, all of this, this situation that I'm in, how bad and up and down it was and searching for purpose, these are all choices that I made. And I'm, I'm the result of them. I'm where I'm at because of the choices I made. And from now on, I don't want to make my own choices. I want you to make the choices for me. And I want to follow your will for my life. And I rededicated my life to serving Him. About a week later, my mom got a phone call because she was here in town. I hadn't moved back yet. That the church I had grown up went in here in town um, had an opening for a part-time choir director. I'm like, okay, that's great. You know, I can come back and can get get on my my feet again. Finish up the couple of classes that I that I had left that I didn't take at USF up here at what was called BCC at the time. I can take I can finish up there and and then I can. I can do this part-time church job. And the choir had seven people. I'm like, okay, I can handle that. I've had all the music training and oral training and music theory and all that kind of stuff. I can lead a choir of seven people. So um, short time from then, um, the choir doubled. The choir grew. Pretty soon we had 35 people in the choir. Pretty soon we added a, a contemporary service, and I had no idea what I was doing musically um, there. And I don't think anyone did back in you know the early 2000s. To be honest, everyone was like, who's this guy called Chris Tomlin? I don't know, but he's writing some really simple, cool songs. Let's play them. So, um, four chords, four chords. I can handle four chords, so thank you, Chris Tomlin. And so, you know, we, we really didn't know what we were, you know, doing, but we tried that. And, and, and despite, you know, all those things of, of, of looking for, for purpose, you know, and, and I, I, before that, I moved home. I, I, I'd even um, tried to be in the Marines, but I had asthma, and that got red flagged. And even after I was getting ready to get on the bus the next morning, and I couldn't find purpose in that either. And I finally, after all that, you know, God led me to be in ministry. Part-time became full-time. And then I started dating and married my now wife, Lisa. We've been married nine years this summer. But we had a rough time at the church we were at. The pastor changed out. We had a new guy come in, and, and uh, it was rough. It was really rough. And my wife and I, uh, by that time we were married, and we both worked at the church here in town. And, and God felt God calling me to stir my heart to say, well, you know what? You need to be a lead pastor one day. So we even had a meeting in my house and, and decided it wasn't the right time. One, I was only 25. I was young. But that we weren't going to, to be a part of a church birth out of bad. You know, In other words, we weren't going to, to try to give birth to a new church out of anger. That's not the right way to, to build a church. And so 
felt God saying, wait. So we waited, and we were painfully let go from those jobs at the church I had grown up in um, just because of the pastor, and we moved to the land for four years. I was a music minister there, and then after Atlanta, uh, I was, or after Deland, I moved to Atlanta for a few years. And it was a large church up in Atlanta still doing music. And I was still, I, I thought I'd found it. I thought I'd settled on it. I thought, okay, well, this is what my purpose is. And maybe you've had a moment like that where you think, okay, maybe I finally struck gold. Maybe this is the moment. I feel like I'm finally, yeah, I know what my purpose is, and I'm going to do it, right? And I did it to the best of my abilities. And, and then we find out, you know, my dad was dealing with pancreatic cancer, and we felt just God preparing our hearts to move back here to Melbourne. We didn't know exactly why at the time. And uh, so we started looking, and, and online found this church. It was called East Coast Church. And uh, found it online and, and moved back here. And there's another great story that I won't get into this morning about how God provided housing. We didn't know we were going to live. So we got, God, you're going to take care of this. Because we owned a house and other people were, were living in it, were renting it, and said, so where are we going to live? We're not going to go kick them out you know, to, to have our house. And God provided a place for us to live. And that's another cool story. But we worked under pastor here. Um, for less than six months before we wanted to close the church, and myself and a small handful of others chose to fight it out and move forward despite a financial mess, despite hiring an attorney, and we moved in here, and we relaunched, and we renamed. It's called True Life Church now. You're here. Congratulations. <laughs> You're like, where's this at? Oh, this is this place. Okay. You know, and we've renovated it, and slowly but surely, we, we've started growing, and and in January, we averaged over 100 people a week. And God is good. God is good. But there was a moment not too many of you, even if you know all of that, or some of that, have, may not have noticed. And this moment was just about a year ago. And a year ago, we had weathered the financial storms, and, and my dad's cancer was, was getting worse. And uh, before he passed away in July, this, this moment about a year ago, I was just broken. I was tired, and I was just spent. I was just absolutely worn out, and I was asking the question, had, had I done what God wanted me to do here? Was He calling me away again? And I was ready to just take a pause. And really, only my elders know a little bit of this, and my wife, and one close friend. And I'm not sure, to be honest, all of them know the extent of, of what God was, was doing in my heart. So I waited, and I prayed, and I cried when I was alone. And ultimately, God answered, and it was for this season at least a resounding no, you are not done where you're at. But I was so broken and so tired and so just worn out and thought I knew what my purpose was, but it had changed. And it's like God breathed new energy into my life and we started shifting things around here at church. And, and one of those changes was to step back from being the worship leader and we were fortunate to have Scott Brazo come along for a, a good time and, and help our church and help me where I desperately needed it because I was just so spent. And what most of you don't know is how actually incredibly hard that was for me to let go of the career that I had spent over a decade working towards and all my music classes and all growing up piano in church when I was 10, 11 years old to, to suddenly not choose what songs were anymore that Sunday, to, to let go of the control over all I had worked toward in ministry. And at that moment, and this moment lasted a few months, to be honest, but in that moment, it wasn't really until my dad passed away that it all really finally sank in. That I am a person with a purpose. And I came to a new understanding of that purpose. And we'll be getting to that in a second. But that was probably the first moment that I've 
really understood what Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 4. He says, For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, he writes, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And only after this verse did we come to that Christianese verse that everybody knows, right? For I can do all things through Christ, through Him who strengthens me, right? We get to that point, but it only makes sense when you read it in context of, of the highs and the lows and the hunger and the plenty and a lot and a little. And despite all of that, he has learned to be content because Christ gave him strength. And we are looking for purpose. We are a people who are looking and searching for purpose. There are countless magazine articles and books and surveys and quizzes and seminars that promise to show you your purpose. You want to know what your purpose is? Here it is. Come to the seminar. Give us $250 and your weekend. You want to know what your purpose is? Read this book. I don't like to read. What tough. Buy the audio version, right? You want to know what your purpose is? Take this three-question quiz. You're not going to find it out in a three-question. You don't want to know. And we're, and we're searching for what is my purpose in life. And ultimately, we are confusing the question because what we are really asking is, what are my responsibilities in life? Or what are my privileges that I have in life. And if we misunderstand what our purpose is, we ask the wrong question. Because we misunderstand what purpose itself is, besides our purpose. So if we are woven together as a person with a purpose, what is it? What is our purpose? See, our purpose is actually very simple. Isaiah chapter 43, you don't have to do turn here because it's just one verse, but 43 Verse 7, everyone who is called by my name, this is the Lord saying, whom I created for my glory, I formed and made. We are created for God's glory. You ask, what is my purpose in life? To give God glory. You see, it wasn't until I let go of being the worship leader and stepping into, honestly, a really uncomfortable place for me that I gradually realized this simple fact is that my purpose is to give God glory. You know what? My purpose is not to be a worship leader. It's not. My purpose is not even to be a pastor. It's not my purpose. My purpose is not to be a husband. My purpose is not to be a father. My purpose isn't to be a co-worker. My purpose isn't to be a video game player or any of those things that you may do. That is not your purpose in life. My purpose is to give God glory. And you know what? It's your purpose too. Your purpose. Your purpose not your privilege, not the responsibilities you may have, but your purpose in this life is really simple. To give God glory. Your purpose isn't to climb the business ladder and earn promotions. That's not your purpose. Your purpose in this life isn't to make more money or buy that house or get that car. It's not your purpose. Your purpose in this life, listen up moms and dads because this is going to sting if you listen the wrong way. Moms and dads, your purpose in this life is not to be that mom or dad. That's not your purpose in life. Your purpose in life is, is not to provide a good life for your kids or to save enough money so that they can go to college. None of those things are your purpose. Your purpose and mine are all the same. To glorify God. Now, your responsibilities or your privileges in this life may be to provide a safe and secure environment for your family. 
Your responsibilities or your privilege might be, might be to be a good mom or dad. If you've been blessed with kids, you have the privilege and the responsibility to be a good mom or to be a good dad or to be a good sister or to be a good brother. But guess what? That's not your purpose in this life. Your purpose is to glorify God. So don't confuse the responsibilities or the privilege that you may have with the purpose that you have been given. Say that again. Don't confuse the responsibilities or the privileges that you may have with the purpose that you have been given. Is this making sense a little bit? You see, I don't want to be... Uh, my purpose as a, as a parent or as a dad or a husband it can't be found in those things. See, I want my son to, to grow up and say, well, I, it doesn't matter if my dad's flipping burgers or if he's preaching or playing piano or whatever. I know my dad... Gives God glory. That's what his purpose is. Doesn't mean he needs more or needs less. God's going to provide. Doesn't mean he's a big house, a little house. God's going to provide. Doesn't mean more food or less food. God's going to provide. Because he's, I don't want my son to grow up in an environment to where he thinks the stuff matters. Because he's not going to find purpose in those things. He's not going to find purpose in the armed forces. He's not going to find purpose in a person some girlfriend he dates when he's 16 or something. He's got to find purpose in that person. He's not going to find purpose in a new car. He's not going to find purpose in a job. His purpose, just like mine, I want him to see that his purpose is simply to glorify God. I was talking with our life pastor, Daniel, excuse me, Daniel James, and we were talking, you know, and actually, this is all, this is all him, and I, I want to share a minute of this conversation. We're, we're driving around and I think we're on our way to lunch and running some errands. This is over a month ago now. And, and I, this conversation stuck out to me because he just hit the nail on the head. And we're, so we're talking, we're, we're driving around. And he's like, you know, you know why kids who go to college are, are the most lost age group in a church, right? Because all their life, their parents have modeled school's important and extracurricular activities important. School and baseball, band. All of those things, those are the things that are important. So when they go off to college, is, why is it a shock to us that those are the things they do? They're not in church because their parents didn't model, I want to give glory to God. Their parents modeled be at school and do extracurricular activities. That's what their parents modeled. So it's, it's not a shock when those kids go off to college and you're like, well, I don't go to church because my parents didn't model giving glory to God. My parents modeled school and baseball or band or any of those other things that they are. Basketball. Football, whatever it is. Those were the things that were stressed on me to be important. Imagine what it would look like if us as parents and, and if us as grandparents and if us, us as friends said, you know what, faith is important because that's where your purpose is. You're not going to find purpose in basketball because your purpose is simply to give God glory. You see, your responsibilities can change. Your privileges that you have, they can change. The seasons of your life are going to change. James, you're not going to be able to play, play, play baseball forever. You're not. I'm not going to be able to play piano forever. We might be able to sing forever. Those things that you enjoy doing, you may not be able to do forever. The seasons of life are going to change. So don't look for purpose in that because you're not going to find it. So if our purpose, if we are woven together as a person with a purpose, and we know what that purpose is, to give glory to God, right? Now we have to ask another question. Are you living up to your purpose? Or have you confused your identity with your responsibilities. Are, are we living up to our purpose? T to just give glory to God? 
If I ask you who the top ten richest people of all time are, any names come to mind? Any guesses? Throw them out. Top ten richest people of all time. Bill Gates, not even close. Rockefeller, John D. Rockefeller. Yeah, if we equated John D. Rockefeller's worth today, it would be $663 billion. Billion with a B is what John D. Rockefeller would be worth. Any other names come to mind? Nope, not even close. Uh, Vanderbilt, Cornelius Vanderbilt, $185 billion he would be worth. What about Henry Ford? Henry Ford, he, he would be worth $199 billion today. Tsar Nicholas II of Russia, he and his family were, were murdered, and we got a Disney movie out of it, Anastasia, right? So Tsar Nicholas II, he would, be, he would be worth $300 billion today. It's a lot of money, right? Andrew Carnegie, did we not say him? $310 billion. There is one dude, there's just one dude that blows the rest out of the water. You know his name? Solomon. King Solomon. From the Bible. King Solomon would be worth today $2.2 trillion, trillion dollars. Blows the rest of these guys out of the water. Richest dude ever. You're like, I want to find out about that guy. How did it know? You're not going to find your purpose in that. And that leads us, that leads us to this. Turn to the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. So King Solomon was the richest dude ever, and he didn't know that then, but we know that now. 2.2 trillion trillion dollars this guy was worth. It, it even says that there wasn't, that gold and silver were more printful in Jerusalem than stones, than rocks. It was easier to find gold than a pebble. All of Solomon's cups were gold. It even says that not one of them were silver, like, ugh. Silver, like every single one of his cups were gold. This dude was filthy rich, but he had wisdom, and he followed the Lord. And he, he writes this book, and if you've ever come across this book in your Bible, just flipping you through, you're like, what is this book? It's weird. I'm going to skip it. Because you're like, no one wants to read meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless, right? No one wants to read it. That's a weird book, and there's a time for this, and a time for that, and a time for that. You're like, there's a time to stop writing it. And this book may not make a, a lot of sense to you, so you probably just skip it. But Solomon writes this at the end of his life, even after being this super rich dude, making the equivalent of $40 million a year. A year this guy's breaking in from all of his investments and his trading and his wisdom. Last chapter in Ecclesiastes, this is a short book, chapter 12. The last few verses, King Solomon is writing at this at the end of his life. And he says this, the end of the matter. In other words, I'm going to die. All has been heard. In other words, i got nothing else to say except this. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Last wise words of Solomon, right? So he's, he's super rich. He's got everything that man could want. And he could chase that. And he, and he did for a short while. But near this end, he comes and you know what? Despite having everything, I've learned this one thing. And if you don't learn this one thing, the, the earlier chapter, he said, remember when you're young, because if you don't know when you're young, you're not going to know when you're old. Is how this chapter starts off. He says, all this doesn't matter. It's stuff. Our purpose is to glorify God. So if our purpose is to glorify God, then you say, okay, well, that's pretty easy. I just keep doing what I'm doing for Him, right? Just keep doing, keep plugging away, keep doing this thing, keep singing in the band, keep running the sound booth, keep serving in children's ministry, keep doing that thing once a month out at the Salvation Army, whatever it is, I just keep doing that thing, and I give God glory. Yes! Right? 
I keep being the same mom or the same dad or the same employee or the same boss or the same friend that I am and just give God glory. I keep the same passions and I keep the same hobbies and I keep serving in the same ministries at church or, or the community and I just be more aware with my light bulbs turned on, just be more aware I put my thinking cap on, I just be more aware that my purpose is to give God glory and what I'm already doing. Simple change, right? Not necessarily. In fact, I would probably argue that, that many times it's actually just the opposite. We're going to finish up with a passage this morning from the New Testament. So if you have your Bibles, again, turn to the book of Mark, chapter 5. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, second gospel. Book of Mark. If you've been in the worship team or staff, you're like, oh, he's finally getting to it, because Josh has been talking about this chapter for a couple weeks, because my devotionals are just coming across it. I can't leave it alone. I keep coming back to this Mark, chapter 5. So we're going to read the first... Um, I don't know, 18, 20 verses or so, just the story. And so they, they as Jesus and the disciples, came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. In other words, this guy is flat out crazy. He's living in a graveyard, and he runs out to these guys. And he lived among the tombs, and no one can bind him anymore. They couldn't restrain him, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with, with shackles and chains, but he rinsed the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. He's not only crazy, he's strong, right? And no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. So not only is he crazy, he's strong, he's also hurting himself. Self-inflicted wounds. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High, God? I assure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Jesus is calling this out of the guy. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? And the crazy parts of the guy says, I, I picture this like horror movie, like, My voice is Legion. You know, or, <laughs> my, name, my name is Legion, for we are many. Like, when you think of a crazy dude, like, they want a horror movie, like, forget the ring, for, just pull this guy out of the gospel, you know, like, my name is Legion, for we are many. Like, okay, you know, this is, the, this is where the disciples take a step back. You're like, okay, all right, Jesus, let's just let Jesus be the front guy on this one, because no, I don't want it. <laughs> my name is Legion, for we are many, and he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, these spirits, saying, send us into the pigs, let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out of the man, and he entered the pigs in the herd, numbering about 2,000. 2,000 little piggies. This one went to the market, this one, and a thousand went to the sea, rushed down the steep bank into the sea, and they drowned themselves in the sea. And the herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country, and the people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion, sitting there clothed and in his right mind. And you know what? They were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. Like, um, Jesus, um, you just killed all of our pigs. Um, and, and now this crazy guy who we knew was crazy, he doesn't seem so crazy anymore. And he's sitting there clothed because he was naked and he's not living in the tombs. And what's going on? Just, just too much weirdness going on right now. And can you just, it's weird. Can you just leave? Can you just please leave? 
um, because we got 2,000 sheep over there too, and I don't want you to, 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 mess, to mess with that. And so they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. And as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had formerly been known as Legion, right, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him, begged Jesus that he might be with him. And Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. And I've been really torn with this passage because it's one of those moments, if you're reading it carefully enough, you just want to stop and be like, what? Like, Jesus already had 12 disciples. What's one more? You know, it's 13. Hey, come on, Legion, get in the boat with us. And this guy who's like, Jesus, please let me be a disciple. Jesus, please let me go in the boat with you. Just let me be with you. You don't have to be a disciple. I can just I can be in your presence. And this Jesus who, who we're really accustomed to saying, you know what, let the little children come to me. You're like, yay, let's make a little theme song about it. And the children come, and the children come to Jesus, right? And he says, you know, come to me, all you who are weary, heavy laden. And I will give you rest. And Jesus, Jesus is this guy who just says, come to me, come to me, right? And all of a sudden, Jesus is like, nope. Why? For this one dude who is so crazy and is now so well, so, who is so broken and is now so healed, so is, who is so hurt and is now so healthy, why did Jesus tell this guy no? Because this isn't the Jesus that you and I like to talk about, right? We're like, come to Jesus, everybody, come to Jesus, and just be, just be with Jesus. And Jesus is like, no, don't get in my boat. Here's why. Because we don't find purpose in life by doing what we want to do for God. We find purpose in life by doing what God wants us to do for God. So if our, if our purpose is to give God glory, it's really easiest for us to, to be in this moment of the things that I like to do for God. The things that I feel that I'm good at for God. And we stay in this little box. We sing some songs, or we run some sound, or we serve in children's ministries, or we do whatever it is, or we clean, or we make coffee, or all that. This is the box I know. This is what I'm actually going to do for God. You can stay over there with the pigs. And we keep it kind of separated. And if our purpose is to give God glory, we like to do the things we like to do for God, because it actually gives us a little bit of glory. Because if the things that we are good at are like, come see what I'm good at. Not in the, my name is Legion voice, but, you know, look, look, look at the coffee I made, or, or look at the, the, the children that are down the hall just having a blast, or, or look at this song that just sounded so good today, or maybe it didn't. You're like, ah, it was so... We like to do the things we like to do for God because we like, hey, what a piece of that glory. It's not for us. And that was the moment I entered into when I had to step back. And maybe for the first time, eventually sank in. You know what? My purpose is to be a worship leader. It's not my purpose. My purpose is not to, to be a pastor or to be a husband or to be on all these things. My purpose is to simply give God glory. And if that means I make coffee, guess what? I make coffee. If that means I don't choose songs, that means I, I don't choose songs. And we have to let go. We have to surrender of the things that we might want to do for God. Because God might be calling us to do something better. Because if that man had got into that boat with Jesus... No one in the Decapolis would have ever known. If that man who had got in the boat with Jesus, who knows how many lives would not have been changed because he wanted to do what he wanted to do for Jesus. Jesus, let me in the boat. And Jesus said, no. Go be more. 
And since we're all woven together as a person with a purpose, and we know that 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 purpose is to glorify God, then here's the last question this morning. What is God wanting you to do for Him? What is God wanting you to do for Him? You see, maybe it's Maybe it's not serving in that area of ministry that we've been all of our lives. Maybe, maybe it's not using that talent that you thought you had. Maybe it's not doing that job or living in that place or being with that person. Discovering what God wants you to do for Him may take time. It should take time. But we're going to close this morning with just giving you an opportunity to maybe start finding that out. And asking God, God, what do you want me to do for you? Not what do I want to do for you. Not what other people want me to do for you. What do you want me to do for you? Because I've been woven together, formed in that secret place. I am a person that you made with a purpose that you have. So how do you want me to live out that purpose, God? How do you want me to give you the glory? What is the way you want me to fulfill my purpose? And let God be enough for you this morning. Let Him satisfy the searching of your heart. So we are woven together as a person with a purpose. And over these next few minutes as we close... I'm just going to invite you to, to listen to this song or, yeah, just listen. We're going to have the words up here, but to be honest, this is, this is a song that is rare because it's written from the perspective of God. There's not a lot of songs like that. And we're going to just be the next few moments of this song as we close. And I want to invite you to just be with Jesus this morning. To maybe put some of that, that self aside, but it's hard to do. God's calling. Already. Jesus is calling. To set some of that self aside and say, you know what, God, I want to spend the next few minutes, not on what I want, not on what anybody else wants, but I'm going to spend the next few minutes on what you want. I just want to invite you to, to just be in this moment and maybe just let these words, maybe these, let these words sink in. To be in this moment with God and listen to these words like they are from Him.